Thank you, Brother Terry. You read from Matthew 6, uh, verse 19 through 34. It's where we'll stay. We're going to particularly focus on verses 19 through 24. We're starting a new series today. Uh, It's a topical series. uh, Calling it Money, Sex, and Marriage. Three things that uh, can be significant challenges for all of us. Just uh, for some of y'all to know who, uh, who, may not, who may not attend here regularly or just visiting with us, uh, we like to do series on a book of the Bible and then a topical series. So we just finished going through the book of Acts, um, starting in the beginning of the year. And now for the fall up until Advent or Christmas, we're going to be hitting on this, uh, this topical series. Uh, and again, addressing uh, three issues that... Uh, that can be challenges for us in our walk with Christ or just in our life, even if we don't have Christ. Money, sex, and marriage. Uh, let me just begin by, by confessing uh, I have not really followed uh, Jesus' example. Uh, now, there are, are many things in my life where I probably don't follow Jesus' example, but uh, today particularly I confess one. I haven't followed his example because Jesus talked about money all the time, Okay. And I haven't talked a lot about money uh, in preaching. There's an old saying, if you want to keep preaching, don't preach about money. Okay? <laughs> but then there's an add-on, just let Jesus preach for you. So I hope today uh, that is what he will do. Uh, and at the same time, uh, when I say money, sex, and marriage, each week we'll hit one of those three going through again up until uh, Christmas. And so today... Uh, is money. This passage, I believe, shows us how money controls us, why money controls us, and how we can break money's control over us. So starting off, how, how money controls us, you know, there's, this, uh, there's these couple of verses, verse 22 and 23, that are actually strange for this passage. It says, and he's, he's talking about treasure and money. And then all of a sudden, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Verse 22. And then verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now, uh, for those of you who might not know uh, your Bible as well, I mean, it just seems kind of weird, kind of strange. Like, Jesus seems to have a theme going there, and then he just adds the same. What does he mean by that? And you have to really look more into Luke 11 and 12, chapter 11 and 12, where he, he goes into this more, and I'm not going to get into that, but he's basically saying, you know, our, our, by our eyes we, we see. And if we don't have sight, uh, then we're blind. And if we're blind, I mean, our bodies can't know where to go. So if you're, if you're walking in here and you're blind, you don't know where to go down the aisle or the seats. You, you don't have a direction in your life. And... What Jesus is saying here is that money or materialism can blind us to our spiritual life. Money and materialism can can blind us uh, to growth in Christ. Uh, Greed can blind us. Jesus would often say, uh, you know, you might be greedy. Uh, You might have this issue of greed. He never said that, interestingly, and we'll cover this next week, about lust. Uh, He never said, uh, you might be committing adultery, 
you kind of know, you know. I mean, if you're having an affair with someone, you're like, oh, you're not my wife, are you? Okay. I mean, come on, think about it, guys. I mean, you don't, you know. But Jesus over and over again said, you might be greedy. I want to say it because money, money can blind us. You know, I've been in ministry now, not just at this church, but for 13 years. And I've had people come in and want to talk about lots of different things. Broken relationships, struggle with lust, struggle with aspects of lust. Never once, never once had someone come in and talk and say, you know, I'm really struggling with greed. You know, I'm really struggling with my materialism. I'm really struggling with money, how I should spend it. Now, I've had people come, on, come in and say, hey, I need money, and I'm like in, in, a, in a pit. But not the struggle of, like, I might, I might really be greedy. So money can blind us. Because uh, m- many of you are probably saying, right now, I don't have that problem. <laughs> That's my point, okay? Because I might say that. How does, uh, how can money blind us? Well, there, there are many ways. Just a few off the top of my head. One, how we choose a job. So we may choose a job. Why? Because, well, I want to make money. And we might choose a job to make money over, like, what we really want to do. Or over a job that might, you know, help or serve people. Money blinds us. How we conduct our jobs. Now, this is maybe less personal, but, you know, I mean, a lot of companies, and I don't know any, any facts about Jackson, but just reading, like, national news or global news, there's always, you know, companies will be focused on making money, uh, often at the expense, sometimes, of, of communities uh, or places or people. And again, they might not be wanting to do that. It's just the money itself and the need for money and the desire for money can blind us. Uh, running in different social circles. Uh, now, this is something I see all the time, frankly. Let's say you, you make money, you get into social circles over the years, and, and you can be in any friendships, relationships, social circles. There can be people in that social circle that may be making like 10 times what you make. But, you know, you feel this, this, this urge, this, this need, well, i got to roll with them, you know. And they may be making 10 times more. And it blinds us to be like, well, should I really spend this money on this? Don't you see how money can, can blind us? It blinds us to asking the question, well, how might I be more generous to neighbors, to my church, to people in need, to ministries? Materialism, greed, money itself, it blinds us to asking these questions of ourselves. And so what I want you to see is that, you know, if, and, you know, one of the, maybe one of the reasons I don't preach about it as much, but I will over a couple Sundays this, this, uh, this fall, is that uh, sometimes we just don't think there's a need for it. But Jesus is, again, going back to Jesus, he talked about money all the time, all the time. And he talked about how it can blind us from the needs of of the world, needs of our church, needs of people. The other thing I would say to you is that, you know, do you talk to, and I, w- I, would, I would guess this is probably no, because, I mean, I, I don't do this, and I probably need to as well, but do you talk to people about 
your spending habits. If you talk to people about uh, what you should spend or maybe if you are convicted and you're like, I really have an issue with greed or I have an issue with materialism, uh, you talk about that in a group. We highlighted small groups, B groups. Do you have accountability for that? Oftentimes, we just don't. We don't. And I'm saying for all of us, me included, uh, we can't trust ourselves on this issue. And, and many of you are thinking like, man, I don't want to think that. I don't want to think that way. I just want to do it. I just want to spend it. Yes, that's exactly my point. We live today, I mean, in history, uh, even in Jackson and even Mississippi, which I know, you know, we get hit with, you know, the, the poor state or 49th or 48th or 50th, wherever. But still, I mean, we are in the wealthiest society in all of history, all of history. And yet, you know, there is an issue of, of our own generosity. And there is an issue of, of asking ourselves, how much can I give? How much can I sacrifice? It, it is. I mean, it just, it is. So money can, money can blind us. And that's how money controls us. Now, the other thing would be, why, well, why does money control us? If, if that's the problem, then why does money control us? Well, let's look back at the Bible. We talked about the eye, how it controls us, to be clear. Money really blinds us. Like, it, it just, we just don't see. And so Jesus stresses that. But why might it control us? Well, it's a hard issue. And Jesus hits on this too, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure will show your heart. Why does money control us? How would this apply? Well, two things. Two ways money controls us. One is for our significance. The other is for our security. That is why money controls us. We want, we have this desire, all of us. So all of us, not just you, me, have this desire for significance. And we also have this desire for security. So with significance, when we have money or we have so much money, then we say, well, we can live in, in this place or we can have these types of clothes or we can run in this group or have these social circles or relationships. And that can give us, and I felt it too, okay, that can give us this sense of significance. Well, I've got that, so now I'm worth it. I'm worth it. And we feel, and if you deny this, I would, I would debate this point. This is a real heart issue, verse 21. Treasure where your heart is. We desire this significance. It's like, well, money will, will buy that significance, and, and I can have it. And it even, and this is getting real deep, okay, it will even, I mean, not deep, like, hard to understand, like deep in the heart. It even allows us to think that we are, we don't admit this, well, we're over them. We're, we're above them. Now, you might initially think about that with, like, the really wealthy, uh, and, and I'm sure some do, so they're like, well, I have so much money, so, again... No one admits this because no one wants to be seen like this. It's a heart issue. Treasure the heart. We want significance. This is a sin issue. We have this desire to be over. So we say, well, I have this much money, so I am 
more significant than them. But you know what? It really can get us in the, in the middle class too. And we can see it. We don't admit it. We can see it in the heart and the way we view the poor. The poor. So middle class, like, well, at least I've got this and I'm not there. But, you know, truth be told, if, I mean, if we started where they did, the poor, we might be in the same place. I know for me, I'm not saying anything about you, but, you know, being raised in middle class home, okay, middle class values, but I, I was able to have certain doors open for me, which God used. And, yeah, if I, if I was in the position of someone uh, born poor and um, didn't have those doors or, or those connections, who knows where where I would be. And I'm saying this not to direct, this is how you think. No, this is what I'm saying. Well, this is how I felt and how I feel. And that the heart issue, you can be like, yes, I'm above them. It gives us this sense of significance. It gives us this sense, money does, of, of purpose. And then it, it gives us, it's false, but it gives us security. Because we want control in an uncontrollable world. And we believe, we, we buy into this lie, that, well, money will give us this control. It will give us this security. We'll, we'll have control in an uncontrollable world. You know, I mean, Jesus pretty much said, you know, money will not add one minute to your life. I mean, you make money, you make some degree of money, and you know what? There's still tragedies. There's still September 11th coming up in a couple of days. Uh, there's still cancer. And yes, we treat it, but you know, still happens. There's still broken relationships. There's still death. There's still tragedy. There are, there are so many things that are out of our control. And so we, we're blind to saying, hey, I think I can control this. I think I can, because I have so much, or if I have this money. It's why it controls us, our significance and our security. There's a story, guy I know, true story. And so he's in seminary, and he wanted to be a missionary. Oh, he and his wife want to be missionaries. And so he goes home. He tells his parents, Mom, Dad, you know, this is past college, so let's say early 20s, maybe mid-20s. And he's like, you know, I've, I've studied and just really feel called to missionary, go to nations, and mom and dad are like, man, so proud of you. You know, we were proud when you went to seminary and you're giving your life to the Lord. And, you know, you are, you're wanting to, to go and you're called. But, okay, but, you know, I don't know about that, that career choice, okay, missionary. Why don't you do this? Let's, let's, let's just keep that there. But uh, go ahead and get another master's, maybe an MBA too, okay? You can use that in the mission field. And, and get about five years of just job experience and something to put on your resume. And then you got that, and, you know, at least you'll be kind of set. Then go into the mission field, because you can always fall back on that. And the guy and his, his fiancé was pretty disheartened, frankly, because, you know, he felt this call, and yet it was like, well... They say they believe, but do they really like believe? They really believe God. So they went back to a seminary professor, and he's like, "Okay, okay. Why don't you go back to your parents and just tell them this? Uh, we live, we live really on a pretty small rock. 
in the cosmos things. And, you know, they're galaxies and all that, and, and we're here. And we all actually live above a trap door. And there's a trap door underneath all of our feet. And one day, sometime, that trap door is going to be open, and we will either fall into everlasting arms or nothing at all. thought about that with this message. I'd love for you to think about that too. puts things in perspective. Our security, but also God's call on your life. So, okay, that's how it controls, why it controls. So how to break the control. How to, how to break the control. And if you're like, again, I mean, I'll, I'll indulge you, but if you're like in your mind, man, no problem, doesn't control me, then, well, just... I don't know if you listened to anything else. But I would just say that uh, that's a bad sign. So how to break the control that money has over us. Go back up 19 and 20. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Would you like, and maybe you don't, want this, but would you like to not have, no matter how much money you have, would you like to not have anxiety about money? Would you like to give generously and sacrificially? Then I would say, and again, this is letting Jesus preach, then let your treasure be in heaven and not on earth. How do you break the power of money on your life? How do you break its control? You have your treasure in heaven and not on earth. Jesus is not saying here that We don't have treasures on earth. No, he's saying you do have treasures on earth. And he's saying, I want you to consider thinking about shifting the treasures of your life, which is eternal, which includes earth and heaven, possibly, or hell. I want you to consider shifting, believe in me, your treasures to heaven. So all of us have a treasure. Uh, Great Great movies, great book, uh, Lord of the Rings, written by a Christian, Lord of the Rings. Uh, if you remember it, you probably more of you saw the movie than the book, but there is, it's about a ring, the ring of power. And anyone who holds that ring, it becomes, and literally they call this, they're precious. They're precious. And the ring consumes them, uh, so much so that uh, characters become evil. Because of the treasure of, of that, that ring, that, that precious, it consumes him. All of us, all of us, have something that is that precious in our life. And we say, too, say, well, if I, if I have that, you know, then, I, then I've got it. Then, then I'm worth it. It ties to our significance. I, if I have that, that is, my, that is my precious. Well, the thing about everything that is created... Uh, Either it can die uh, or it won't die for you. And Jesus Christ is saying, I have died for you. And in addition to that, I have defeated death so that you will live forever. And that is, he is, should be our precious. If you make him your treasure, I mean, really, I'd love for you to listen to that. If you make him your treasure... And like get back, I mean, some of you have kind of heard this. 
before, but consider it. Think about it. You make him your treasure. It will break the control of money over your life, and it'll break the control of everything else over your life, too. And sometimes that can control be, well, I worry about what people think of me and, and social pressure, or I just have anxiety about life and, and sickness or health or marriage or relationships. Break the control of anything when your treasure is in heaven, when, when Jesus is your, your precious. So, so then again, you're like, okay, so how do we make Jesus our treasure? Again, you break the control of money. How do you do that? Make Jesus your treasure. How do you make Jesus your treasure? Well, we've got to, and I love one of the songs we sang earlier, because this is so important. It said, it was the first song, I think, from the head to the heart, you know, and then it was like, you know, I can be a fool for you. I, I love that, and, and, and some of us don't take that into consideration, but it's true. But it's from the head to the heart. You really, you have to, to think about this. You've got to consider it to break this control that anything can have over your life, but particularly money, you've got to know it. You've got to know it in your head, and you've got to know it in your heart. Know what? Well, Jesus Christ was stripped of all his earthly possessions. He was stripped physically. I mean, the Bible tells us this. He was stripped spiritually without God on the cross. He sacrificed his very life. For you, for you. And, and again, this can be maybe sometimes in, in the Bible Belt that we hear it so much we get mute to it. He sacrificed his all for you. He gave his all for you. And he said, you are, all of you, my precious. To use that word again. And he said, if I have them, if I have them, then it's worth it all. If I have you, it's worth it all. If I have you, I will go to the cross. If I have you, going to hell is worth it, Jesus said. Because being separated from the Father on the cross, that's hell. They said, but if I have them, it's worth it. You don't believe me? Look in the Scripture. It's not going to be up on screen, but jot down on your notes. Isaiah 53 said it was worth it for him. Isaiah predicting this. 1 Peter chapter 2. It says literally, you are his treasured possession. You're his treasured possession. And I just, you know, you may think, well, this is a giving sermon. No, this is a treasuring sermon. This is what do you treasure? What do you treasure? And I think my concern uh, for us and for, for people in a lot of churches is that they don't, they don't know how much Jesus treasured them. Because if we really knew that head, heart, then we wouldn't go through and like trying to make all these other things our significance and all these other things our security. We'd say, God himself treasures me, knows me personally and intimately. And we know that. We begin to make him above all our treasure. And yes, it impacts everything else. Everything else. Relationships and our relationship with our money and our economics. It changes things. It changes things. If you know that, again, if you want to be free from anxiety on money, if you want to give generously, sacrificially, make Jesus your treasure. Now, here's, here's a little test for you um, to think about. Or you're like, well, I have spiritual wealth, or well, I am, I am spiritual wealthy, or well, I am generous, or I am a sacrificial. So a little test for us, a little test for us. 
How do we see, me too, okay? I thought about this struggle with, with this in, in preparing the sermon. Uh, how do we view or how do we react to rich people? To rich people. Because uh, often, if we are struggling in the spiritual wealth department, we can react one of two ways. Either we can be uh, bitter and be like, well, they don't deserve that. Look at how they live. And they have so much money. Or we can be envious. God, I've got to have got to have what they've got. I mean, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. I mean, I'm trying to run with it, and, you know, I can't, I can't roll like this, but I've got to be there, and I've got to, I've got to keep up these connections and everything. How do you react to the rich? How do you react to the poor? How do you react to poor people? Uh, do we blow them off? Are we like, you know, they have nothing, I have nothing to learn from them. They have nothing to teach me. I mean, they are... Like, we don't want to say it. We don't say it. They're nothing. They're poor. How do we act? How do we react to the poor? And, and last, do we, do we give generously? Do we give sacrificially? That'd be a test. Three, three questions. How is my spiritual wealth? How do we react to the rich? How do we react to the poor? Do you give generously? Now you might say, well, how much are you asking me to give? You know? How much is, is giving generously? Um, well, I'd say this. You know, what did Jesus do? Jesus went to the cross. Okay? Yes, you know that. Check. Okay. So he sacrificed everything on the cross. Sacrificed his life. So, so I would ask you this pertaining to giving. I mean, is there a cross in your economics? As in, like, is there a sacrifice to your lifestyle in your giving or generosity? Because often, for some, you know, but often there's, there's not. We say we believe, we're growing in all this. But if you, if you kind of pull up the veil on our economic life, okay, uh, there's not so much of a sacrifice uh, in our lifestyle. And so, so yes. If you're not, I will say this, if you're not sacrificing your lifestyle, then you are not responding to Jesus as he responded to you. Okay? And this is for me too here. So for a lot of folks, we would say, well, well, it's the tithe, right? I mean, it's, it's the 10%. Okay? Well, I mean, tithe, 10%, yes, okay, compared to what Jesus did for all of us. Okay, it's, it's not that much. Truth be told. But then for some, 10% is, is a, a lot. For some, 10% like really, really hurts. Uh, I think of, uh, there's a story and, you know, the woman who, you know, just gave a little bit. It was her all. And all the others came and gave out of their surplus. And, and she gave all. So for some, 10% is a lot. And for others, 10%, it's, like, it's not a drop in the bucket. I mean, literally, it's not a drop in the bucket. I would say this, because in the New Testament, 10% is mentioned nowhere. It's, a, it's an Old Testament. 10% is, is like a rule of thumb, almost, biblically. It's, it's like a starting point. The standard, the standard is the cross. It's the cross. So, you know, I, I would say this. We're going we're gonna to close up some stuff to think about here. You know, if, if Jesus, again... Going back, if Jesus is our treasure, then we'll love the rich 
We will love the poor. We'll love the poor just as much as we love the rich. We'll love the rich just as much as we love the poor. Uh, we'll love them as people made in the image of God that, that are both going through their own significant challenges. And we'll sacrifice and we'll be generous in our giving. Both. To people in need, to neighbors in need, to nations in need, to churches in need, to ministries in need. And we'll, we'll think more about like, and this is, this can be a rare, rare thing. Like, well, you know, actually thinking it's like, well, how much can I spend, you know, instead of thinking like, well, how much more can I give? How much more can I give? In the, uh, in the days of the early church, say 70, 100 years after the church was started, Paul went through Acts, there was a, there was a long writing treatise about Christians. And I love this, and I've quoted it before. It's by a guy named Diogenes. It probably bores you, but he said, you know, in the Roman Empire, he said, you know, where everyone else is stingy, stingy with their money and promiscuous with their bodies, Christians are stingy with their bodies and promiscuous with their money. I always love that. Christians, stingy with their bodies, promiscuous with their, their money. Again, you may hear this like, well, is this, you know, this is a giving talk. No, this is a series on money, sex, and marriage. So we're going to be hitting money, sex, and marriage. And next week is sex. And so we're going to address the issue of money and how it can blind us. How it can really hold us back from our spiritual walk from our life with Christ, from our life with the church, how materialism uh, can do so. And again, let me say it uh, again. I have not, and you're, you may be like, well, I, I understand now. I haven't really followed Jesus' example because Jesus talked about money all the time. And going back to saying, if you want to preach, don't preach about money. So we're just going to let Jesus preach to us. Okay? But I would say this, this is not, it's not a message or will be messages on giving. It is a message on treasuring. So my concern is not really how much you give or don't give. It's really not. My concern is much, much deeper than that. My concern is that, that people, and as a shepherd elder of this congregation, uh, that people, and all people, that people place their significance and their security on so many things besides Christ. And that significance and security, as we will get into, can also be in areas of sex and sexuality or in marriage, or in family. And we'll hit that too. Uh, my concern is that we treasure so many other things besides Jesus. And my concern is that, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we got it. Uh, again, especially raised here. I kind of, look, man, I know the Jesus thing. And yeah, so we've got, you know, we got a, a church and a nice church. And I, I like most of the people here. And I want to get to know some other folks. But look, I got this, this big, big life out here, okay, that is, is filled with uh, things I want to do and relationships I want to have and a career I want to grow and financial possibilities and social possibilities. And yeah, man, I mean, it's football season and enjoy life and all that. Look, good things, as I say over and over again, good things that can become ultimate things, our idols, and that we place our significance and our security in. And I'm concerned that there's a trap door underneath every life, and that is true. And we don't know when that trap door will open. 
And we will, I believe, either fall into the everlasting arms of Jesus or into nothing at all. And so I meet and talk to people all the time who like want purpose, want significance, want security, control in an uncontrollable world. And, and I say the only way, any of us, any of us, I mean, it's not grades for students, it's not sports, it's not the right college, it's not the right career, it's not how much you make, it's not running in the right social circles. The only way, the only way you're going to find true, lasting on earth, everlasting purpose is in Jesus Christ, is, is in this right here, what we're about to do, take communion. And so, yeah, this, this series, we're going to push past the idolatry of these three things. And we're going to really ask ourselves, and me too, like, where's my treasure? I, I ask you, I pray for you, think about. It's not like a raise your hand and yes, you know, yes, believe in a moment, saved in a moment. But it's consider, is Jesus my true treasure? And what am I doing here? Is this, is this a play? Like a, a deal? Like my, is Jesus my treasure? He's there. He said at the beginning, and he's always going to be there. And he said, you are my treasure. The cross, this bloodshed, be broken, is worth it for you. And that's, that's when we do respond. And we respond with every aspect of our life. And I call on you to respond. We offer an opportunity to respond as we take communion. So we're going to take communion and prepare ourselves for it. And, you know, I'm going to pray right before we take communion. So those of y'all who are helping, kind of get ready. Get ready. Don't get up just yet. Let me pray first. But it's not just a response to come up and take communion. It's a response to say, I, I believe that Jesus gave it all for me. Or I'm going to consider to believe that Jesus gave it all for me. And then to respond with, okay, I'm going to reorder my life with him as my treasure. And what that looks like. And if that, if that happens with one new person in here, I mean, I don't, I don't like, well, my wife say, I like grand suggestions. Yeah, it changes the world. Two, three, ten. I mean, changes this church, changes this city. If you have that saying, I'm going to make... I'm going to begin to consider, because I don't have a five-point plan for you now, but I'm going to consider making Jesus my treasure, what that looks like for my life. Everything, every, it trickles down to everything. I'd ask you to consider that. I'm going to force you. I don't have to, because the Holy Spirit is doing the work. So we're going to pray. I invite you, you know, really, if you come forward to take communion, you should be a Christian. You should be a believer. You should have made a profession of faith in your heart. If you're questioning that, then, then biblically, we would say we want to talk to you. We want you there. We want you to take communion. But it's an invitation for believers. It's an opportunity to respond in a moment and say, I'm going to make you my treasure in my heart and know that you will grow me to put my treasure in heaven and not on earth. And that's what the church is for, to help us do that more and more. It's an invitation. Let's pray together. I pray we take a step to making Jesus Christ our treasure and that all of our treasures are in heaven. Heavenly Father, let us know that you are our loving Father. You gave it all, your Son, and your Son gave his life for these, your people. We acknowledge that in taking communion here. I pray that those that come forward believe that and truly believe it and begin to say, I'm going to give it to you, Lord, 
to take steps to more and more make you my treasure so that it can change marriages, relationships, purpose, identity, significance, security, and yes, even our economics. Because you do that and you want to do it, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.